Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass, in an episode that was recorded on Thursday afternoon. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care, Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Seabass appears on our guest line today. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Clark Lee has hired a strength coach for the football team. It is Wake Forest strength and conditioning coach Brandon Horgan. Horgan takes over for James Dobson, who was with Derek Mason, who had also had previous experience at Nebraska. Seabass joins us from WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. Hope you are doing well. The new year is off with a bang. Uh, We were going to do this on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, You got called into the radio for emergency coverage, so that's why this is getting out a little bit late. But hope you're well, my friend. You make me me sound so much more professional than I really am. (laughs) But I appreciate that. But, yes, that was the case. Uh, You know what I'm doing, Chris? I'm over here living the dream, my friend, living the dream. How you doing? I'm good. I do wonder what it was like to have to do the Capitol fiasco on live radio yesterday. How was that? Uh, yeah, not fun. Nothing fun about it. It's it's disgusting. I don't like to even talk about it. It's I, I, I can't stand whatever things become. So that, now, were you taking why. calls? Uh, no, 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 okay. no. I did this morning. I did my, uh, this morning on as you know. I do a morning show too, and you know who I do that show with, and. You know what kind of show it is, so it's completely the antithesis of what I normally do in regards to sports. 
Well, let's get to sports. Uh, where's your head today? I know we've got basketball to talk about. We've got some football hires, one that broke just before we started this. So where do you want to go first? Man, lead me, sir. I'm on. I'm, uh, you got me leashed up, ready to go. Uh, I'll go where you – I'll follow where you go. Well, I'm trying to think of what's happened with football since we last talked. Vanderbilt got a strength and conditioning coach again just a few minutes before we started this. I have not done a lot of research. What I've heard initially is he's good. And I'm trying to remember Javon Hay, I think we announced on the site, had signed a contract. It's going to be on the staff. I don't know the role yet, but I'm told it's an on-field coach. And I'm trying to think if anything else has happened with respect to football or Vanderbilt football since you and I talked, and not a lot's coming yeah. to mind. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. Norval came home, and then the coach from Wisconsin wasn't there when we last did this. Oh, that's right. That's right. And yeah. I did a little more digging on the special teams coach and – I think this is no surprise. Everybody knew he was good, but I talked to someone in the analytics business yesterday, I think it was, maybe the day before, and was told that he's probably a top two, three special teams coach in the college game period. So that's a really good start. Boy, you know, you like to hear that. Plus, I mean, let's just not kid ourselves. We gotta, we've got to beef our special teams game up anyway, right? I think everything needs to be beefed up, yes. Well, yeah, yes, of course. I, I, that go, and then I'm going to say that goes out saying because you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, but, hey, one step at a time. But that certainly is a, a, a great step in the right direction. I, I, I certainly like that hire. Uh, bringing Norval home is, is, is awesome. What kind of sucks, though, uh, is, you know, and I'm glad to have it. Don't get me wrong. It, it, not a bit. But Tim Horton didn't really do anything wrong last I checked, you know. I mean, and I get it. This is what happens when 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 coaching hires uh, take place. I get it. But I thought that Tim Horton did a pretty good job. I, I mean, you know, I, I, our running game was a heck of a lot better than I expected it to be. Oh, look, they've had many, many coaches worse than Tim Horton in Derek Mason's tenure. I think he would be probably more near the top of the list. I'm saying that partially based on performance, but also the fact that he worked at Auburn for a while. Uh, I did not know yeah. Tim. Tim was very well liked and respected, and to me that's another bonus. But, yeah, I mean, they could have done worse than keeping him for sure. Well, I mean, you, that, it's just hard to make judgments until the whole staff is filled out. And, of course, right now we're waiting on coordinators. But, yeah, I mean, I think from the start they've gotten, I, it seems like they're in a good place. Yeah, and of course, when I heard about the defensive line hire, I'm sure my your first thought and my first thought, and I think a lot of Vanderbilt's thoughts uh, were, well, we just lost Yvonne Hay, you know, which would suck. <laughs> uh, because one, I think he's a he's a, he's an up and coming young coach, and two, I mean, it's clear that he has a, he has a knack for the recruiting side of things and for these young folks to be able to relate to what it's like to play at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, he came from Miami, and so he's got some Florida connections and that. Uh, not Miami, but uh, uh, what school was that? It's the same school as Raymond Perkins. I'll have to think about it here in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm really glad we're be able to, we're able to keep uh, to, to keep Javon plus with, 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 with the new coach. I mean, the defensive line was what – was it top of the list in the Big Ten? Is that right, Chris? I don't know, but Wisconsin's had good defenses for about as long as I can remember now. 
Yeah. It's just, you, you know, and you, you know, I don't, I don't know what the money is, but you know, what, what was the, what were the words that Clark Lee was able to say to convince you of a coach to come down, you know, from Wisconsin, you know, to, to down to Vanderbilt, you know, I mean, I, do, I know that money certainly talks, but I, I guess maybe, you know, here's one other thing to look at though, is, uh, you know, one position that Vanderbilt has done a pretty good job of recruiting the last couple of years is defensive line, you know, uh, I think about some of the young defensive linemen we have, but then you sprinkle in Bradley and Tyrion Sergic and, and uh, a couple of the other guys in, in, in this class that are extremely highly recruited. And all of a sudden, maybe look at it in this, that position looks a little bit more of attractive when Chris, it wasn't so long ago, we had nothing that looked anything remotely close to being a defensive tackle in the SEC. Well, tying a couple things together here, the concern I had, and you know we both love Javon, think the world of him as a person, Absolutely. but we've had this conversation about what you just said about them getting better defensive linemen, and we keep waiting for the translation, which has not happened. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. That had Dio Dingbo, who was a very good player for them, although you could tell that from the moment he stepped on campus. So I don't think that's a Javon development thing, although I'm not taking away what he did. But what I am saying is – that's a place where the bar was pretty low most areas last year, but I think that's one that you take he and Mintz out of it, and it didn't feel like any of the rest of the guys really took a step up, which was a disappointment because we felt like with Davion Davis, maybe with Wilkins, with Reitmeyer, who wasn't even a factor, with Derek Green, with Langham, those guys weren't factors, particularly Langham, you felt like they left a lot to be desired there. And so I think that, to me, raised some questions about Javon's coaching. And look, Javon has just gotten into this. Like, he was a volunteer assistant this time two years ago and got handed the job and and maybe prematurely. But if you can keep Javon, whose contributions certainly seem to be discernible as a recruiter and good and and a guy that people like, too, and a guy with enthusiasm and energy and a competitive spirit, which they need. If you can keep Javon and build around the things that have worked, but you can find a competent defensive line coach after last year, that might seem to be the best of both worlds. Again, I'm not trying to put Javon down. It's just really hard to break into coaching in the SEC coaching defensive lineman at Vanderbilt. That probably wasn't a great spot to put him in to begin with. Right, but you know what? Uh, you know, I, I totally agree with that. You know what's really tough about the evaluation side of things is that for guys like, let's say, with Dio, right? So Dio would be good pretty much anywhere he played. Agreed? Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if, he, if he went to Oregon, he'd be good. You know, if he was in Florida State, he'd be good. So we we can't attribute that. Can't. Good group. We can't. We We can't attribute that. To Javon, hey, but if Dio had drastically underperformed this season, we would probably put that at Javon's front door, front, front doorstep. Right. Yeah, fairly, fairly or unfairly. And that, that kind of sucks because it's supposed to be an even thing there. But, I mean, look, yes. I mean, I freely admit that Dio would be good anywhere. And, yeah, I understand that the rest of them didn't quite exactly live up to what we were hoping. But I mean, I think you got to give him something in regards to development. You you, you just have to, because if you don't, then you can't really give him anything on the criticism side of things. It's not fair. It's not right. 
Right. I just look back to spring and thinking Rutger Reitmeyer looked like he was ready to maybe have a good year. Maybe that was because he was going against a crummy offensive line. I don't know. But look, he'd been at Oregon. He'd been a four-star kid. You bring Langham in, who'd been at Florida and had a lot of offers out of high school. I just thought that they would take some leap up beyond what they did. And you had kids that we were talking about a lot in preseason who by the end of the year weren't even getting on the field uh, for an 0-9 team, and that just never made sense to me. Right, it does. But, you know, the the, the truth is a lot of those big-time schools, uh, they're littered with guys who had every offer in the world. And you could say, well, they're not getting uh, in because of who's in front of them, and, and maybe that's partially true, but they also never pan out. You know, does that mean that if they went to a, a Syracuse, a Vanderbilt, a Toledo, you know, a place like that, they come in and dominate? No, no that, that, that does not always translate. So, you know, I mean, you know, it could be just as simple as they were misses, you know, because here's what I'll say. I, I just saw a lot of times where, you know, we would get one-on-one matchups, you know, on the defensive line and we just get stoned. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it wouldn't matter who was teaching you the technique. You were just outgunned. You know, you just didn't have people who were, you know, as strong enough to 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 hold at the point of attack, uh, you know, who could get some type of penetration, you know, who had such a quick first step off the ball that it would just it, it wrecked the defensive line. It was good on twists and stunts and stuff like that. We didn't have those guys. You know, now I kind of thought that uh, – uh, what's my guy's name? Is it Watkins? The, the the young man that uh, was in his first year, uh, the defensive tackle, uh, Wilkins, is that right? I thought it was Watkins. Okay. Uh, who looked like he was, we were going to get a lot of production because the, in the, the Texas A&M game made a couple of plays I'm like, Hmm, okay. We may, we may have a little something. Here. And I didn't see much from him the rest of the year. It was a weird deal, man, because they had that game right out of the gate where the defensive line graded out the best in America I think in the Power Five, according to Pro Football Focus, you had the guys that we thought would play well, play well. You had a guy like Davis step up. You had Wilkins step up in that game, as you said. And then from there, it just was nothing. And look, this is a hard year to judge, right? Because we've talked about the things at Vanderbilt that just killed players' morale, that transcended the coaching staff. I just think that even in a good situation, COVID was rough on everybody with the isolation and things. And you've heard talk about mental health at schools other than Vanderbilt. So I'm going to grant you that there are things that might have been completely outside the control of Javon Hay or anybody on the coaching staff. But it just was really odd that the season started the way it did. And it just, I mean, I don't even have the words for what happened from there. Right. And what's weird, what's really weird about it is that offensive line that they did that against went on to be, would you, would you say that there are three better offensive lines in the NFL or in, in college football in the Texas A&M's? Cause I didn't see it. I don't know. I don't know that I'm qualified to give that opinion, but I know they were well-regarded coming in. I know that that team lost one game all year, debatably should have been in the playoffs. And I mean, that, that was a great team. They played it just, that offensive yeah. line, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it, it, great, towards, great, and where you were, that was a great season. bunch, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards the end of the season, they they were just absolutely mauling people, you know. And it's like I can't believe that's the same one. <laughs> we had the success that we did, you know. Not 
per man. But, you know, I mean, we, you know, we, we I, I, I don't know what that game was all about. That was my favorite game of the year. A loss should never be your favorite game of the year, but they were all losses. So I didn't have a choice to, to, to pick from. But, yeah, it was strange the way that things turned out, but I am extremely happy that they were able to hold on to Javon Hay because I, I think he he brings a lot to this staff, and I'm glad to have him there. Um, I get, But, you know, I think the question is now, Chris, of course I know they have another position coach or two to hire, but I think the question is now is – who are these coordinators going to be and when they're going to be named. Yeah, and we're waiting on that like everyone else. I think the perception is Lance Taylor will be the offensive coordinator. I don't know that that's right. I've heard another name that got floated to me last night. I'm keeping that to myself for now because I'd like to check a little bit more before I throw that out there. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. It, it really is weird that you're seeing these coaches hired before you know who the coordinators are. Which, I mean, yeah, which makes you wonder, is this one of those deals where they already know who it is? You know, it just hasn't been announced. And for whatever reasons those might be, you know, I mean, with Lance Taylor and whoever your mystery guy is, you know, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't name Taylor now. And I talked to a, uh, a Notre Dame guy last night uh, who, who is really plugged into the program. And uh, he he was hoping that, Lance Taylor would be the next offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Interesting. You know, he, 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 yeah, he likes him. He like he likes him a lot. So he, when I talked to him about, about Lance Taylor, he, he, he was pretty high on him. So, uh, I, th- I think that would be fantastic. And I'll, I'll just share with you what I, or with the listener, what I asked Chris before the start of this, uh, podcast is that I'm hopeful that we're not going to go the route of, of Clark Lee being his own defensive coordinator. I just, think that would be way too much especially for a first year first time head coach yeah I have no reason to suspect that's going to happen I've not heard talk of it uh, speaking of which how about Derek Mason going to Auburn let me give you, you know, a, a weird mean, thing I have talked to a couple people that have talked to him in the last couple of weeks and one thing, the first thing I heard, this was right before Christmas, is that he's planning on sitting it out. Within a couple of days, I get a call from someone in South Carolina going, hey, I think it's pretty serious between him and, and South Carolina. I'm going, well, okay. And then that just, after a while, didn't go anywhere. And then he told somebody else again. Uh, he probably wasn't going to go anywhere. was just going to sit it out a while and I start getting stuff from the Auburn market. Hey, are you hearing about Mason and Auburn? And I'm saying, hey, I'd be surprised based on what I'm hearing. And sure enough, uh, but as I told somebody, like he would say different things to week to week in press conferences. So uh, I don't I don't mean to pile on Derek Mason in a bad way, but um, I guess he changed his mind pretty quickly on that one. Which I mean is more than his right to do, to be sure. You know, of course it's, it's all about you got to decide what the right fit for you is. I mean, if I were an Auburn fan, would I be in love with the hire after what I've seen in Nashville the last several years? No. However, I mean, we're talking about somebody that we know, you know, and, and remember something, Harson's a West Coast guy, you know. I mean, he he is a he, he's basically from Idaho. You know, he's a West Coast guy, and he's seen Derek Mason. He's seen what he can do in the Pac-12 as a defensive coordinator. No one's going to argue that Derek Mason was a good defensive coordinator at Stanford. I'm sure you won't, right? Because we know that he was. 
so, I mean, I know that he can succeed as a power five defensive coordinator. Uh, will he have to make some changes as what, of course, look, being a head coach and being a defense coordinator are very, very different, but I've already seen the guy succeed, you know, at this level, at that position. So I'm not going to put it past him to be able to, but just given what I saw and remembering the fact that he was his own defensive coordinator for a little while, and that was nightmares and it never really got much better. Um, I would, it would give me pause. It, it, it really would. But like I said, he succeeded at this level before. So there's, I mean, you know, there's a precedent that's been set there. He can do it. We know that's true. Willie, time will tell. Yeah, people have brought up the, well, he didn't do so well as a head coach. I just think that's an apples to oranges comparison. Being in a head coach and a coordinator, to me, seem yeah, like. Neither did not, Kevin Steele. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say know. they are, they're not related at all. Because obviously there's some carryover characteristics in success with both. But I will say, I just didn't think Derek was ever very comfortable in his own skin as a head coach. And when you're that way, it brings out a lot of your insecurities. I think as a coordinator, Derek is a lot more comfortable. And I just think that that alone, I think will make a difference for him. Let's shift gears to hoops for a minute. What was your take on the game in Lexington? Oh man, that 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 I'm a jinx, and my life is jinx, and this team—it's like the worst they can thing they can do is be leading against them at Rupp. Uh, but in all seriousness, man, I—I I, I tell you what. Again, I'm never going to be satisfied with a loss. You know that, and not that Kentucky's anything special this year. But Chris, I have to give—they played hard. They played hard. They, 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 they did. They battled. They fought. They came up a little bit short. Uh, it's never going to be okay for me, but I, I, mean, I thought I, I liked the way this team played. They played hard. They attacked the basket all night long. And, you know, and it's, I'd love to have gotten that win. I think it would have been a big boost for this team going forward uh, for, for the rest of the season. They didn't get that done. Uh, but I, I was, I was for Chris and I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan you have to because sometimes we see sometimes he's get this team uh, over the last year or two you, they're out there and you just you're like what's the game plan here you know is what's what what are we trying to do who's playing with purpose who's playing with a level of intensity well I saw that the other night and you know and even though it didn't result in a win uh, I see things that I can build on with efforts like that it seems clear to me right now that the path of respectability, whether that's winning, you know, five, six games, is going to have to be Miles Studi and Jordan Wright playing the way that they did in Lexington. Without that, I just don't see one. I think you're going to get that out of Studi every night. I just think that's who he is. He's been you know really saying? good so far. He's been better than advertised. I mean, little kid's shooting 52% from three-point range, and he's hit – what, 12 of them in four games, and I think one of those games he didn't play much. So there's that. I mean, he and Wright are shooting really well. Now, I don't think Wright is a 57% shooter and certainly not a 70% three-point shooter. But opinions on Wright are just all over the board. There's some people that are in love with that kid and think he's going to be a star. Um, I, I don't know that that's what I see, but those are the X factors for them right now for sure. I think here's what I'll say, because I mean, is he a star or no, no, he's not a star, but, but he's always around, you know, he's always around the ball. He's always getting after it. You know, here's the deal. 
Studi and Wright, neither one of those guys are what you would consider to be overly highly recruited basketball players. Is that a fair statement? Well, Studi was at least in the Rivals 150. Wright was just kind of out yeah. there to be had in the spring two years ago. Yeah, but on the back end of it, and, and you know, frankly, I mean, look, the product that I'm seeing as opposed to what I was expecting to see are two very different things. And if I would have, if Jordan Wright would have had, you know, this offer and that offer and this offer and that of you, so I could see why they liked him, you know, and all this other stuff. But, but you saw his offer list, you know, and he doesn't have this amazing feature, you know, and he's – he he doesn't look like some he, you know some chiseled sculpture. You know, it looked like Cliff Robinson back in the day. I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but he just gets after it, man, and and he just round the ball and he and he finds a way to get it done. It's it's there's nothing cosmetically beautifully beautiful about it. But you know what? I think that must be a little bit of what we need. You know, uh, we need a couple of trash guys, and that is not an insult. And you know what I mean. Uh, you know, pick up the trash and, you know, deliver the mail, whatever, uh, you, however you want to describe it. I, I, I love having guys like this. We need guys like this. We haven't had guys like this for a little bit. And I, you know, frankly, I, I, I like both of them. And I think you're right. Uh, you take those guys and once Trey Thomas gets a little bit more consistent, Ian McBride and Scotty Pippen's going to do his thing because, I mean, one thing that is clear to me is that's an NBA basketball player. He just is. In, in today's game, there's no doubt. I mean, his offensive his offensive uh, range just gets better and better. He can shoot it. Uh, he certainly uh, enhanced his free throw shooting ability. He can hit the mid-range jumper. He can drive to the basket. He can accelerate. He can decelerate. Uh, he is a fun player to watch. And he's another guy. Think about this for a second, Chris. You know, we knew his name, obviously. But from the recruiting side of things, did you really see this? Because this looks like a high caliber basketball player. He looked like somebody who, you know, was, you know, certainly had the name, played on a good high school basketball team with lots of big time prospects, but it didn't look like he was going to be the one, one of the ones that was flourishing, especially with the ball in his hand, but he absolutely is. And people know Scotty Pippen Jr. is getting the basketball and it don't matter. Well, I'll tell you exactly what Bryce Drew told me. Um, this would have been about this time two years ago. They liked him enough to offer him a scholarship, but they did not see him as an impact guy right away. And, of course, they had their impact guy, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, that was that was not anything that I don't think anyone expected, although that program turns out players, and, of course, his dad is who he is, and I don't know, maybe people slept on him. You know, the thing about him – there's a smoothness to his game that's been there from the beginning. I don't know. Maybe, maybe everybody just slept on him for the wrong reasons, although playing at a high-profile program like that with your dad, who he is, I mean, that's not exactly the profile of a sleeper. It's just really weird to look back on him from two years ago to what he is now. Yeah, I mean, he's a smooth player, man. You know, now, now comes the question, of course, you know, is he ready to go to the NBA after this? Today's NBA? Maybe so. I don't need them to lock people down. They don't lock people down. They don't play defense in the NBA. They just try to outscore each other. You know, the first one to 130 wins. You know, that type of deal. So, I mean, I, can I see, you know, if he finishes, let's say his trajectory is he's as, as good as he is now, maybe a little bit better by the end of the season. Is he a first-round pick, Chris? Maybe. 
I mean, I look at him, and I, there's a lot to like. He's not the biggest guy, but he is a point guard, and if you're going to be a point guard, you can get away with being six foot or whatever he is, right? Yeah, I think he's what six one. Is that right? Is I don't know one? that he's six one, but okay. I know this: he knows how to get to the hole. I know that. I'm going to throw two things at you from the box score the other night before we get into the mailbag that are just mind-blowing in a way. First of all, Vanderbilt out-rebounds Kentucky 42-29, which I didn't see coming. I doubt they did either. Maybe that's one of those things where Stackhouse griped about it all week and (laughs) they got after it for that reason. The other thing, I don't know that I've ever seen this. I don't know if this is a record or anything. I haven't heard any talk about it. Kentucky turned the ball over two times, twice. And we still had a chance to win the basketball game. I know, I, mean, I know. Two win teams, were they two and six coming into that game? Is that right? Yeah, uh, with with four yeah, close teams, losses. Well, you know, but but two win teams generally don't turn the ball over only twice because those close losses are a lot of times are a result of uh, maybe as talented or more talented, but they kept turning the basketball over. It's not always the case, and again, maybe that wasn't in theirs, but. You know, two times you're supposed to win almost every time, almost regardless of who you're playing. The other weird thing about this season, uh, and my internet has chosen a bad time to go down, but did McBride or Lawrence play at all the other night? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know about Lawrence. I'm pretty sure I McBride, saw McBride did in the first I half. No, but I don't know that Lawrence ever got off the bench. I don't know that I saw him, but understand this. Now, I did watch the game, but you also have to remember something. It also came on as I was going on the air. So that game was being played as I was doing my show live. So I couldn't give my 100% attention to it like I would if I was just sitting here at home watching the game. So I went went as far as – so, yes, I did follow and watch the game, but not I couldn't do it as intently as I'd like to. Yeah, it's just been a bizarre season with the roster. I know that COVID plays in, but McBride and Lawrence were supposed to be their best two players coming in out of that class. They're both almost complete non-factors. Um, heck, even Otisipe played the other night. Um, I know I, he played. I did see him. You know, I'm I'm looking at it now. I don't think that McBride played at all. I thought I remember seeing him in there, but he's not listed – on the box score here. Okay. So they, they didn't play um, according to this. And, you know, Evans is just – I don't know what's happened to him. And, of course, uh, Cleavon Brown has been hurt now, although he wasn't – you know, well, he had COVID before that. So I don't know. But it's just – it's a bizarre thing because you would think that these two seniors would be playing 25 to 30 minutes a night and that – They'd get something from Lawrence, and I mean, you know, I had my reservations with McBride the whole time. Uh, I mean, I've I've been the outlier on him ever since this whole thing of the commitment got announced. I mean, I just I heard heard too much where I was skeptical, but I, I didn't think he'd be sitting on the bench and not playing at all, uh, especially with some of the needs they have. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know what that's all about. But this, you know, the thing about this team is it's, it's uh, and maybe this is just my feeling, and maybe because it's COVID, but it's 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 kind of like you're viewing this team from the outside looking in. You know what I mean? 
It's like we don't really know them. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense to you about that? Yeah, well, I mean, you don't. I mean, that program is not accessible. Uh, Stackhouse is never doing any media anywhere. If he does it, it's, you know, some national media thing somewhere. It's just, it really is. I mean, I guess it's that way anyway, but it's not a very get-to-know-you place over there. And I guess, you know, you can say that in some ways with a lot of coaches. I mean, with Kevin, um, you know, Kevin was hands-off my program guy too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it it does kind of have that feel. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, Chris, uh, fat boy, I've got about 10 minutes. So if you've got a hefty mailbag, you better come on with it. Yeah, well, we've got a few questions, so let's pace ourselves accordingly. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call Josh today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on our podcast. Estelle 3 says, do you hear of any offensive linemen Vanderbilt might sign in February? Uh, I have not, Chris. I don't know if we're talking about being the transfer portal or uh, on the high school level, I have not heard of any of the off, uh, any offensive linemen. Have you? No, and I don't think that a freshman offensive lineman probably should be a take for them right now. I mean, they have a horde of upperclassmen coming back, including some opt-back ends. You had a lot of freshman first- and second-year players who played last year. And then you got the transfer. It just seems to me like they've got a lot of bodies there. And typically what you sign at Vanderbilt late, uh, and, and I know there's not really been a late signing period around for a long time, but the kids that are signing late are the ones that are uh, a lot of times choosing between Alabama and Georgia and Florida, that kind of thing. The kind of kid that Vanderbilt's going to get at this point is probably going to be a project, and I just don't see that making sense with their numbers at this point. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I certainly understand that. Now, you know, I don't want to bring in people. I mean, I know we have to have bodies. I get all that. But if they're not, if they can't protect the quarterback, I ain't going to say some names. They brought some folks in right there that just, they were starters because this thing didn't have anybody. They should never be starting. But they had to because we had anybody else. You know, and the, and the freshmen simply weren't ready. Uh, but just because you're somebody's number one doesn't make you a number one, you know, and I don't want to bring people in or they're going to get Ken Seals killed uh, or, or get blown up at the line of scrimmage just because we got to have bodies. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's a, it's, it's a tough deal. I, I, and I get that, but I can't, I, I can't do that, man. That's, and I don't, and I don't think that Clark league will, you know, I, I think he wants to set a tone right away of what he's looking for, uh, you know, and he's going to work with what he's got and try to get some of these young guys who got opportunities to play developed uh, on the fly best they can, uh, who are clearly more talented than people that they would be bringing in who are simply bodies because they don't have anybody. You know, I like the fact that we got uh, an advanced number of early enrollees, you know, or an advanced, a higher number of early enrollees. I think that can certainly help out a little bit. Uh, but I just, and, and what we have to hope for is a couple of these guys opt back in. 
you know, Cole and Jonathan and guys like that, we need them. Hopefully they decide to do something like that uh, and put them, you know, Ben Cox got an opportunity to play a little bit. Bradley Ashmore had almost an entire season's worth of starts. So, uh, you know, we're just going to be up to guys like that. I'm just not interested in putting people out there who are simply not caliber, who are not uh, remotely close to being SEC caliber football players. NBA door asks buy or sell stack makes the NCAA tournament next season. Next season. Yeah. That is an impossible question to answer, <laughs> but I'll sell uh, based on what I, pro- I expect. I mean, uh, will Scotty Pippen jr. Be back next year? I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about making the tournament, I think they'd have to. I mean, think about this team without him uh, as as a tournament team and a full season. I'm selling on that, you know. So if he stays, you know, who knows? Uh, but no, I'd sell on that. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same way. There's no way without him, um, you know. And, and, yeah, with, and him, with him, I mean, you, yeah. you know, it's still unlikely. Got to have a post at some point. Do you? Well, I mean, you. Well, uh, at least on defense, you do. You need to put up some resistance there. Yeah. I mean, the the kid at Florida has a career game two games ago, and then Sar has a season high against them. So I I just don't. I mean, you don't need a. I know it's not nineteen eighty eight again, right? Uh, we know that, but goodness gracious, they're getting clobbered there right now. Are you saying we can't point guard them to death? I think that might be an indication that you need some help. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't you. know no. who they've got targeted to fix that. I mean, maybe you get a transfer in the spring, but let's look at that too, okay? Uh, they are not exactly hitting on the ones that he's bringing in. Not a big sample size, but they really talked up Harvey and Melora Brown, and uh, those have been gigantic misses so far. Yeah, so, so far. So, you know, I mean, as far as who they're bringing in, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, there's no way I could project this team as a tournament team next year. You know, I, I at this, with, with this rush, I'd, 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 I'd rub your feet for 500. All right, buy or sell, Clark Lee being his own defensive coordinator. I think we hit that earlier, and neither of us were buying. Sell it. Okay, buy yeah, or Jim sell. Kramer, sell. <laughs> <laughs> Buy or sell. That's that's the voice I want to hear it in. Buy or sell. Vanderbilt baseball wins the SEC regular season title. Well, since I think the only team that can look them in the eye right now also happens to be in the SEC, and they're, I guess you'd have to say they're arch rivals. Is it them or South Carolina? What would you say? In baseball, if you had oh, to say Florida, one, would be Florida. Florida. Easy. Definitely. Easy. Okay. Uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, if it's true that pitching wins games, uh, there's just nobody with the one-two punch, and it's not just them. It's 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 not. They're deeper than that. Uh, but I, I I will I, I will I will say I'm buying. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, I think I'm buying too. Again, I when I leave a fall series. I have a pretty good sense on what kind of team they're going to have. And I walked out of there going, I think they're going to be better than I thought. And a lot of that was that offense that I saw. Now, having said that, they were doing that against some freshman pitchers who weren't ready yet. Uh, But some of these hitters that were doing the damage were pretty young, too. I just felt like 
I left with some questions, but I just kept thinking, okay, I know what their pitching is going to be, and the bats are better than what I'd expected. Now, I would like to see Florida. I didn't get a chance to see Florida last year. That team really took a quantum leap up between the end of 2019 and 2020. And so that I'm saying that in a vacuum. I, it's maybe not fair for me to answer that without seeing what Florida had. But, again, judging from year to year, feeling like I know what they've got when I leave the ballpark for the last game there in the Black and Gold Series. That looked like an SEC slash national title contender to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both buying. So, so far we're, we're on the same page with everything. Go ahead. All right. This last one also from NBA door, would you and Chris be behind an in-state basketball preseason tournament with Vandy, Tennessee, Memphis, Belmont, Lipscomb, and UT Chattanooga? Sure. I mean, I don't know how many of those games we win, but yeah. Yeah. Why not? Give me a reason why not to be. That'd be a lot of fun. I enjoy my, the heck out of that. My only issue with that is I would add Austin P and maybe Tennessee Tech, maybe Martin. Too, Man, if it but, ain't got the P, in, yeah. If it ain't got the P in it, then I don't want to hear nothing about it. Right. Let's go P. Uh, they, yeah. They Absolutely. have not done what I thought they'd do this year so far. Last to check, but man, he's. Matt Figures hey, bringing hey, some talent hey, to Clarksville. Hey, 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 hey! They did the one thing that they're supposed to do. They beat Murray State. Yeah, I mean, last I looked, they had struggled a little bit earlier, but I have, I, I'll admit I have not checked up on them in a couple of weeks. If they don't win another game, they beat Murray State. Let me take a look at this. Well, I won't because this is a Vandy podcast, and I don't think our audience probably cares about my opinions of Austin P. But they did come up in the discussion. I, know I don't. Okay, they're two. And, they're two and two in the OBC. Um, ooh, yeah. lost to Eastern Kentucky at home. So, although Eastern, I tell you what, a name to watch just for you basketball junkies, A.W. Hamilton at Eastern Kentucky. I think he's doing a really good job there. And he's off the Huggins tree at, at, um, at West Virginia. The Huggins tree. Good enough. What else you got? Except they get after it on offense. They're really fast-paced. Um, but anyway. Oh, uh, what else do I have? That's it. That's it. That's a wrap, Jack. All right, with that, tell folks where they can find you on social media. Yeah, hit me up at, at, Cheap, at Cheap Seats Bass on Twitter, and you can find me on 101.5 in Jackson, Monday through Friday. In fact, I'll be on in about an hour from now on the Cheap Seats on 101.5 FM. Have a good one, sir. Keep it real, homie. All right, he is Seabass of WNWS. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Appreciate you listening. And we'll be back with more episodes probably next week, so be sure to listen for those.